Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, the urgent new warning about the COVID Delta variant now racing across the U.S. as one drug company says it's developing a booster shot to fight the deadly strain. Troubling rise. The CDC director says new infections of the dangerous variant are surging among Americans who are not vaccinated. Why scientists say parts of the U.S. have now become breeding grounds for the virus and the alert for people who are only partially vaccinated. Why that second shot is more important than ever. Plus, weeks ahead of the Olympics, Japan declares a state of emergency, locking fans out of the summer games. Pulling out, President Biden moves up the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, even as the country spirals into civil war. Tonight, new fears the Taliban could soon take control. CBS's Charlie Daggett on the ground. Second wind, tropical storm Elsa unleashing torrential rains as it barrels up the East Coast. 60 million Americans now in the storm's path. And the concern tonight, Elsa could strengthen yet again. Surfside sorrow as the death toll continues to climb families of the missing cope with the end of the rescue mission at that collapsed condo in Florida. American detained. A U.S. citizen is arrested in the assassination of Haiti's president. New details on the deadly overnight raid at the presidential compound. Dramatic rescue. Stunning new video as police stop a kidnapper and rescue the six-year-old girl he grabbed off the street. And unifying America, how one community is finding ways to heal through conversation and art. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Major Garrett in for Nora. We're going to begin tonight with a frightening surge of infections of the Delta variant of coronavirus. The CDC director says more than 9 million Americans now live in parts of the country where hospitalizations and deaths are spiking significantly, especially among people who haven't been vaccinated. One new study calls those areas 
breeding grounds for COVID, creating the potential for the virus to mutate into even more deadly strains. As we come on the air, Pfizer says it's now ramping up efforts to roll out a booster shot to help increase immunity and is working on a newer version of its vaccine to target the Delta variant. Meantime, tonight, the White House says it's sending surge response teams into the hardest hit parts of the U.S., But experts say the best defense is to be fully vaccinated, especially as new research shows only getting one shot of a two-dose vaccine may not be enough to provide maximum protection. CBS's Janet Shamlin is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Houston, where we are told infections are on the rise. Janet, good evening. Major, good evening to you. Hospitals across the country are seeing it, and the White House task force is sounding the alarm. A rapid rise in the Delta variant. And tonight, we are hearing that Pfizer is developing a booster specifically to target that variant. Tonight, a dire situation is unfolding. The dangerous Delta variant, highly transmissible and threatening the unvaccinated, is significantly more widespread, according to researchers. Five under-vaccinated areas of the U.S. could be putting the entire nation at risk, according to researchers at Georgetown University. The fear is the virus could mutate so significantly in these areas, it could defeat vaccines. This rapid rise is troubling. To be clear, there will likely continue to be an increase in cases among unvaccinated Americans. A study published today in the journal Nature suggests getting just one dose of a vaccine offers little protection against Delta. Currently, 25 million people have received only one dose and 140 million are unvaccinated, leaving 45 percent of the country at risk. It's a critical concern in places like Missouri, where Delta is now 73 percent of COVID cases. Dr. Fauci saying again today, those most vulnerable in low vaccination areas should take precautions. If you are an elderly person or if you have a person with an underlying disease, you might want to go the extra mile of protection of wearing a mask if you were indoors. In Texas, a youth camp outside Austin may become the nation's latest super spreader event. More than 100 confirmed cases. We believe that this is an outbreak of the Delta variant. At Houston's Methodist Hospital, COVID hospitalizations are rising. The Delta variant, responsible for 42% of new cases. Are you concerned about the unvaccinated? The majority of patients that we are seeing uh, hospitalized with COVID-19, with the Delta variant, the vast, vast majority of those patients are unvaccinated. Here at Houston Methodist, they expect Delta to make up 90% of cases in the next two to three weeks. And they say generally the patients are young. Major? With the march of Delta, Janet Shamley, and thank you. Tonight, President Biden says, quote, there's no mission accomplished as U.S. troops leave Afghanistan after nearly 20 years of war. But he also said, quote, the mission hasn't failed yet. The president has set August 31st as the date that nearly all U.S. troops will finally be out of Afghanistan, even as it appears that country is descending into civil war. We have two reports, beginning with CBS's Weijia Jiang at the White House. Weijia, good evening. Good evening to you, Major. President Biden said uniting Afghanistan was not the end goal, and he insisted that the U.S. did what it set out to do. It hunted down Osama bin Laden and eliminated the threat of al-Qaeda to the homeland. Now, the majority of Americans agree with his decision to bring the troops back home. Good afternoon. President Biden said he moved up the deadline to pull troops out of Afghanistan because it's safer. 
and because it is time. We did not go to Afghanistan to nation build. And it's the right and the responsibility of the Afghan people alone to decide their future and how they want to run their country. 20 years on, the war has claimed nearly 2,500 American lives, wounded more than 20,000, and cost about a trillion dollars. Already we have members of our military whose parents fought in Afghanistan 20 years ago. Would you send their children and their grandchildren as well? But leaving comes with risks, like a Taliban takeover. There's a wide variety of possibilities. Uh, worst case, civil war, breakdown, fracturing the government, fracturing of the army, that's very possible, and, and that would be a, a very bad outcome. As danger looms, the president said the administration is relocating Afghan translators who have helped the U.S. as they wait for approval to come to America. U.S. intelligence officials predict the Afghan government could fall as soon as six months after the U.S. leaves, though President Biden today refuted that. Weijia Jang, CBS News, the White House. I'm Charlie Daggett in Kabul. While President Biden says the Afghan military has the capacity to stop the Taliban onslaught, the reality on the ground, they're taking a beating on the battlefield. From mid-April, when President Biden made the announcement U.S. forces would be pulling out, the Taliban have taken territory at lightning speed, seizing a third of the country's 421 districts and fighting for control of many others. As the militant group inches ever closer to the capital, Kabul itself, the president has pledged that hundreds of American troops will remain in the country to protect the U.S. embassy and Kabul's international airport. And while he said a Taliban takeover is not inevitable, the people of Afghanistan fear that without the presence of U.S. troops, the country will collapse. Especially vulnerable women, a whole generation who have never known the oppression of the Taliban, fear a return to strict Islamic law will bring an end to their education, their jobs and their future. A senior Afghan government official we spoke to tonight said he agreed with President Biden. He said the Afghan military does have the capability, the courage and the will to stand against the Taliban. He said the group may be gaining territory, but it's losing support of the people. Major. On the scene for us, Charlie Daggett. Thank you. Tonight, Tropical Storm Elsa is barreling up the Atlantic coast after unleashing a tornado in Jacksonville, Florida. One man was killed when a tree fell on his car. Farther north, roads in New York City were flooded today. Several vehicles got stuck and drivers had to be rescued. Let's get the latest on the forecast from CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Good evening, Lonnie. Hey, good evening to you, Major. Well, look, New York City right now catching a little bit of a break, but the area outside of the city got pounded up to three, even four inches of rain, and that was not even related to Elsa. There's two systems out there right now that we're watching, both sort of moving in the direction of New York City, but you've got Elsa itself down around Richmond, Virginia. Then up in portions of the Lehigh Valley, you've got a front. They're going to, like I said, squeeze in on the same area. So the rainfall totals are going way up. Take a look at where this is heading. Right now, the, strong is, the storm is getting stronger. Winds are now up to 50 miles per hour, moving to the northeast at 21 miles per hour to the south of Richmond right now. By 2 o'clock in the morning, it's around Atlantic City with big rain at that hour in New York City, Long Island, into Philadelphia by 2 p.m. Well, it's around the tip of Cape Cod, Provincetown with big rain, Boston to Portland. The amount of rain from this point moving forward, I would say you're looking at maybe four to five inches in that swath of red. So for areas outside of the city that have already picked up, 
you know, three inches, you're going to put another four or five on top of it. It is going to be a very interesting, albeit difficult, morning commute. Major, it's all yours. Lonnie Quinn, thanks so much. Now to Surfside, Florida, where the search for victims continues. Two weeks after a condominium building collapsed, killing at least 64 people, 76 remain missing. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez is there. Tonight, teams search for victims with the same pace and passion, despite the transition from rescue to recovery. We are working around the clock to recover victims and to bring closure to the families as fast as we possibly can. The only pause came for a moment of silence to mark the end of the rescue effort and two weeks since the building collapsed. Some families of the missing, like 65-year-old Judy Spiegel's, still hope for a miracle. Our goal is the same, and it's never changed. We want Judy returned to our family. And, you know, we love her, and we want her back with us. Others are trying to spread hope, too. At this memorial wall near the collapse site, we found 17-year-old student Stephen Ferrero, who's taken it upon himself to replace old, wilting flowers with new ones, donated by area florists. Our goal is you know, to bring hope to these survivors and the families. To me, it's very important to have hope. Officials remain concerned about Champlain Tower South's sister building, which is virtually identical. There are no mandatory evacuations, but they are testing concrete samples from that building to determine whether saltwater corrosion could be a problem. Major. Manuel Bohorquez, thank you. Tonight, a COVID emergency in Tokyo has forced Olympic officials to ban spectators at events held in Japan's capital. The Summer Games are set to begin in just over two weeks. Here is CBS's Remy Innocencio. Tonight, torchbearers relayed the Olympic flame to just outside Japan's capital. But in this last two-week stretch to Tokyo's Olympic Stadium, running will be replaced with private lighting ceremonies to guard against a new COVID surge. Olympic organizers also said spectators would now be banned from most events in an historic first. Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga declared a new fourth state of emergency, blaming the highly infectious Delta variant. Athletes are being tested every day. They will not come into contact with the general public, assured the prime minister. A slow vaccine rollout has meant just a quarter of all Japanese have had at least one vaccine dose. With just days left, anti-Olympic protesters still demanded the games be canceled. Nomura predicts Japan could lose more than $1 billion with no spectators, but could lose $17 billion if the games were canceled. Remy Innocencio, CBS News, Hong Kong. Tonight, Haiti remains on high alert after its president was assassinated. Suspects in custody include at least one American. More now from CBS's Vladimir Dutier. Tonight, Haiti is a country under siege. As the manhunt for the killers of President Moïse ramps up, more than a dozen captured in the last 24 hours, with at least seven others killed. One of those arrested, a U.S. citizen from Florida, James Solage. Authorities still trying to figure out why a hit squad of roughly two dozen men assassinated the president. Tonight, we're learning President Moïse was shot 12 times in the head and body. His wife shot three times. And their daughter survived only because she hid in a bedroom and managed to escape. Former Prime Minister Laurent Lamotte is calling for an international investigation. This was a contracted hit to go in and kill the president, silence the president. We cannot wait. The world cannot wait. It's important for every Haitian's security and for the country's stability to get to those who have um, financed this assassination of the president. 
Moise had become increasingly unpopular for clinging to power after his term expired in February. Protesters had been demanding his resignation for months before he was killed. A new power struggle has begun, and in the Haitian capital, the fear is palpable. What is going on? Because we do not understand the game on the ground. We do not know who the players are. We do not know what the purpose is. We do not know what, how it's going to influence the future of us now here today and my children. Because what we're living today is going to be dictating the future of my children. A country so familiar with turmoil, now forced to endure a new crisis. Vladimir Dutier, CBS News, New York. We turn now to troubling new medical problems for so-called long-haul COVID patients. Some are now coming down with neurological conditions. More on this from CBS's Dr. John LaPook. When COVID overwhelmed New York City last March, it found 51-year-old Sam Rafferty, a wildlife educator and animal lover. I wasn't able to breathe. I just coughed so much that it hurt. Uh, had fever, aches. Those symptoms subsided. But then Rafferty developed what's become known as long COVID, with symptoms like heart palpitations, low blood pressure, and abnormal body temperature. My legs felt cold. At the beginning, I was terrified. I was convinced I was dying. Really? Well, because your heart's racing and you can't feel your feet, and you're like, what the hell is going on? COVID begins as a respiratory illness. But experts are now researching how the virus may also ravage the nervous system. In Rafferty's case, it was a neurological condition called dysautonomia, a disruption of the part of the nervous system that controls processes like temperature regulation, breathing, and blood pressure. It looks like a lot of the neurological symptoms that we're seeing are probably more relating to sort of inflammation from the infection. What is it that makes this so mysterious, so difficult to understand and treat? I think the the biggest thing is that most of the diagnostic tests come back normal. So there isn't anything on the MRI that might explain the cognitive changes. That's the most challenging thing. Major long-term COVID continues to stump doctors. The NIH has committed a billion dollars to study it. But for now, patients like Sam Rafferty are left trying anything that works. She's taking medications and using compression stockings just to keep her blood pressure up. Major? Dr. John LaPook, thank you. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Tonight, new body cam video shows the arrest of a kidnapper and the rescue of his young victim. A Louisville, Kentucky police officer approached the suspect's car, found the six-year-old victim alone, unharmed, and crying for her father. Minutes earlier, the 40-year-old kidnapper surrendered to another officer. This, after a witness spotted the abduction, followed the suspect's car, and called police. Tennis great Naomi Osaka is returning to the court at the Tokyo Olympics. Osaka spoke to Time magazine, revealing that skipping the French Open and Wimbledon gave her time to prioritize her mental health, saying, it's okay not to be okay. Osaka, the number two ranked woman in tennis, will compete for her native country, Japan. In Madison, Wisconsin, an art exhibit is helping heal racial divisions by providing visitors a chance to reflect and make amends. CBS's Nancy Chen continues our series, Unifying America. 
Written here in the center of town is a reckoning. The mayor acknowledges her white privilege. A counselor apologizes for trusting white voices as more qualified. A physician commits to hiring fairly. One of my ancestors enslaved people. Jenny Bastian is the director of an arts nonprofit. Why bring that out of the darkness? When you shine a light on something, you can see the problem. Then it's possible to do work around it and change things. Change is the goal of this exhibit called Amends. At the Madison Museum of Contemporary Art, artists Nick Cave and Bob Faust started the project after George Floyd's death. What did you think as these letters came in? Were you struck by how blunt some of them were? I think, you know, honesty, you know, that's what we need to hear. I mean, that's what's going to set us free. Visitors are encouraged to leave their own thoughts. What I want them to walk away with is being able to have another conversation that's not outside the museum, but at their table. An empowering starting point for another conversation. An open conversation born from a community's reflection. Nancy Chen, CBS News, Madison, Wisconsin. Helping make a 97-year-old Navy veteran's dream come true. Steve Hartman is on the road tomorrow. If you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Major Garrett. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.